Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussions. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, Coles. Good evening. Good evening, my friend. How are you doing? How is this week treating you? Um, it's treating me pretty good. I'm starting to get over the after effects of my wisdom tooth extraction. Oh. I'm starting to feel back to my normal self again, so that's a big plus. <laughs> that is awesome. What about now? A lot of times when you have some sort of a surgery or a procedure or something like that and you end up like laid up on the couch on medication, a lot of times you can like binge movies. Did you do any of that? Um, no, I wasn't even in the mood to really binge oh. too much. Like <laughs> oh, I, I went through a I went through a little bit of my physical media collection, so that was a plus. I was able to go back and rewatch like things like Beef of Vendetta, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, things like that. But as far as like binging, binging like how I was before I just didn't have the energy for it, man. I was just focused on trying to get better. <laughs> that's smart. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a sign of a real dinger. Is if it if it takes you mm-hmm. out and you can't even enjoy like your entertainment recommendation type stuff, that's then you know you're feeling bad. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you are feeling better. It's been pretty good over here. I've been on a adventure film kick ever since watching Jungle Cruise and. I'm uh-huh. replaying one of the Tomb Raider games right or not replaying but I'm playing through the last Tomb Raider game right now and so I rewatched both of the older Tomb Raider films two films that I really enjoy quite a bit more than the rest of the world I think uh, and that was a good time just to go back I like to watch them every couple of years I, I think Angelina Jolie got a raw deal I think she would have been awesome if they just kept on making movies with her but oh well guess I'm on an island there <laughs> I'll deal. <laughs> well, we have three films to talk about tonight, and for once, I think we have some good stuff. This is not just a night of average movies. In fact, I was looking at your top ten before we got on to record, Coles, and I noticed that two of the movies of, are in your top four. Two mm-hmm. of these films tonight have cracked your top four of the year so far. So that is exciting. Let's find out which ones they might have been. So. We're going to get started and we're going to talk about the incredibly overmarketed <laughs> Ryan Reynolds movie, <laughs> Free Guy. Now, to its credit, this was supposed to come out last year. So, like many movies, it went through a whole marketing cycle and then it got canexed and it pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and they just kept doing the marketing. So, I know people are probably a little overwhelmed with it, but it's finally coming out. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Jody Comer, Lil Ray Howry, Joe Keery, Utkarsh Ambedkar. I have no idea how to spell it. Say the last name. I apologize. Just call him Donald. He's Donald to me from Perfect. Perfect. That's what he is. And Taika Waititi. It is directed by Sean Levy, and it is written by Matt Lieberman and Zach Penn. What's it about? A bank teller who discovers he is actually a background player in an open-world video game decides to become the hero of his own story, one he rewrites himself. Now, in a world where there are no limits, he is determined to be the guy who saves his world his way before it is too late. So we're going to get started with the things that we liked about this. And I wanted to start by just saying in general that I was so surprised by this movie. I went into it expecting the worst of Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds tends to go <laughs> overboard. You know what I mean? Like it's like the Deadpool, right? He, he's kind of known yeah. for this shtick now. 
I thought it was going to be that. I thought he was going to, the, the trailers led me to believe that he was just going to be jokey, jokey, jokey the whole time. And I was really surprised at how restrained his acting and his character are in this movie. I think this film gets to a point to where Reynolds is able to play a character where he's not just being Ryan Reynolds. And he's not being Deadpool. He's able to just fully be a character. And that was a breath of fresh air for me. Like you, I came in thinking like, okay, we're going to get another Deadpool stick and we're going to hear a lot of jokes. We're going to hear a lot of obnoxious laughing, but no, Reynolds actually has some moments of drama in this film. And he actually has some moments to where he is able to blend in to the story rather than just be the guy who's over top of the story and just, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. And instead of him being like a guy who is playing a character in a film. That's a good point, actually. You're right. Like, he does have moments where he is just sort of a supporting character in the movie. I mean, he's obviously the main character, but he doesn't always dominate every scene. There are sections of the film that take place without him entirely, that take place out of the video game world, you know, with the two developer characters who essentially are these people who created this game, an indie game. Their game was purchased up sort of by a big triple a studio of sorts and they're su they're suing him to determine whether or not they think that he stole their code and so there are parts of the movie that take place in the quote real world that are not in the video game open world i actually like this a lot because for me the exploration of the difference it wasn't just about the game world. So a big part of the draw of the movie is people want to see what it looks like on a film. It's it's Grand Theft Auto Online, essentially, is what this game is. It's mm -hmm. basically what it is. It's people go in there, they're enjoying the fact that they have free reign to kill, murder, steal, do all these horrible things. And the game, the movie is actually commenting on our desire to play games that way, which I appreciate. And it, so because it ties in these other elements of the game industry, you know, I have my daughter who's going to be going into the game development industry in the game world. And so seeing it take a serious stance about or not, it really does touch on real issues, I guess is what I'm saying. Real problems that exist within game studio culture, within AAA versus indie world. Uh, and then also in like content creation, it br blends in content creation. I just thought it does a really good job of kind of capturing the whole dynamic of gaming culture for Gen Z. And I, and so I think that anybody who is in games right now that's like a teenager is going to absolutely freaking love this. Yeah, I really love the aspect of game design. Like I was Sometimes when I was watching the film, I was sitting there and I was watching you and your daughter and you were just having conversations about, you know, certain aspects of just how there's um, Jodie Comos character, her and the guy who plays, he plays in Stranger Things. What is his name again? I, yeah, I don't know. I Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But I'm, I'm just calling Stranger Things. But they are indie designers. They've created a game called Life Itself, where pretty much the game is all about focusing on people living their life. And, you know, they're able to create almost the sense of a real world within a game, which is pretty incredible. But that ends up being corrupted by this big name game company that ends up taking their concept and using it for this GTA Online clone. And it allows people to go around 
and just troll and kill people and just cause mayhem. And it kind of gets away from the basis of what their game was all about. And it, it really speaks to capitalism in a sense. You know, capitalism, you know, we have people who come in with great ideas and then eventually it becomes not just about the ideas, about how can we make money off of this? How can we keep producing sequels? Like, Taiki's character, he's like this game that is all about, no, I don't want to just make this game. I want to create sequels. People don't care about original properties anymore. And I think he was speaking also about Hollywood, not just about video games, but he said that. It's like, people don't care about originals anymore. They just want sequels. Sequels, sequels, sequels. More sequels. Just IPs. You know, just instead of a Free City 1, let's have a Free City 2 and then a Free City 3. And it's just all about stacking up and just reusing the same old concepts over again, but just adding new extravagant little toys in front of your eyes. And it kind of gets away from the art. It gets away from the creativity aspect of it. And I love that messaging of the film. Yeah, I did too. And I think it's funny because I've seen it compared to Space Jam 2 and to Ready Player One online. And I think that those critics are being a little disingenuous. And I want to be real careful here because we got a spoiler warning from Ryan Reynolds before we saw the movie. And what I will say is this. The the movie itself does not use specific game IP in the way that those films have done and the way that I expected it might. It references the culture, as I mentioned, in ways that is going to be very recognizable to anyone that plays video games and lives in this world. But it does have some elements of enjoying the (laughs) marketing, branding, ownership rights that the movie makers have, I guess I should say. And it manifests itself in some really fun ways. And I, I felt it was restrained. I felt that they could have gone overboard and done what Space Jam 2 did or done what Ready Player One did. Ready Player, yeah, one did. And, like, just gone crazy with dropping these different IP references, but they really didn't do that. It's it's a, it's a only a, a handful of moments, and because of that, when these things happen, they were unexpected to me, and I loved them. I was like, yes, they're quick, they're hitters, they're move on, and, and I, I appreciated that. Yeah, and... Speaking of the unexpected, the cameos in this film are incredible. I mean, they come in when you see the... It, this is a film that has to be experienced in a crowd. Like, honestly, some of these cameos, people are going to turn to each other and be like, oh, it's that guy. Like, oh, it's that girl. And especially towards the end where you talk about with certain IPs being used, they are used wonderfully. Like, they come in and they do their purpose and then boom, they're done. There's no need to continue to add on continue to extrapolate what's going on it's like no they're there for a purpose and then boom they're done but the cameos i can't spoil them because ryan reynolds of course told us not to spoil them so we're going to respect his wishes but i feel that the cameos are going to be the real winner of this film like everybody's going to wonder like oh wow i can't believe that actor did this and i can't believe they were doing that that is the thrill it's like almost the same feeling we had when we watched space jam 2 where we were pointing out like famous characters in the crowd like I know me and my girlfriend looking towards each other like, oh, that's that guy. That's that That's that girl. Like, that's how it's, it's a crowd-friendly film. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. And, and I think it's just, I think it's hilarious. I think it's got really fun action. It's a good blend of it. And then, personally, I love anything that deals with what's called simulation theory 
or AI, which is this idea that we're living in a world that's not really, you know, there's something else that's controlling us and it's not really truly free. I love exploring that idea. This felt like the gamers version of the Truman Show to me. And I think that the way it handles that, you mentioned this, there's some sweetness to the relationships. There's kind of an unexpected, like slight rom-com element to it that I really liked. And then there's a, a really nice friendship too, uh, uh, between Ryan Reynolds and a, and a good friend of his that I love the way that their relationship played out over the movie. I think that the story itself is going to make people kind of reconsider their interaction with games in a way. I, I hope so. Um, and it can do that. And that's, that's powerful for a movie that's supposed to be just a hilarious kind of dumb movie about gaming like if it can make people think about the way they interact with that medium that means something and this story also gives a lot of importance to people who want to live their life not just doing the same thing over and over again you know we get that in the form of the npc the npc character in video games you know when we play gta or when we play any open world game we often get these characters who populate the streets and, you know, most people just want to run them over and kill them. And it's kind of like they're just there in the game to be fodder. They're there to do this certain interaction, and they're not meant to do anything else. Just boom, that's all your job is. But your life doesn't have to be that way. You know, you don't have to be the NPC character of your life. You can do so much more. And Ryan Reynolds' character, he is the manifestation of that. He's not a guy who just wants to work as a bank teller and be the victim of a robbery or being taken hostage. Like, no. He wants to go out and interact in the world and live life on his terms. And the movie is kind of saying, no, you have permission to do that. All you have to do is, all you have to do is just do it. That's all it is. And random note, let's give um, a big round of applause for little Ray Howery. Um, I just checked my letterbox stats for this year. And I see that I have watched nine films from little Ray Howery this year. And seven <laughs> wow. of the films have been released this year the man is working he is working <laughs> and i just want to give him kudos for the grind <laughs> he's coming for you samuel l jackson you better watch <laughs> out uh was there anything else you want to touch on in the likes um you... no I, I think that's a pretty good amount i really enjoyed this film and i was very surprised how much i liked it i thought it was going to be one of those where i watch it and then i forget about it maybe two days later but this is something that's going to stick with me for a good while this year. Yeah, same same here. I've already bought tickets to take my son on opening night. So oh, nice. be, I think, maybe the first movie that I've gone to see twice in the year already. And usually that's going to be some sort of a blockbuster of this nature. But yeah, that's going to be the one. So I'm excited about it. On the dislike side, I don't have too much. I really, really love this movie. I, I am a gamer, like tried and true. So if you knew that about me... No, I just want people to understand, like, <laughs> this speaks to me on a very special level. So that's why I, t I appreciated it so much. But there are a few too many little bit of vulgar sexual jokes in, in a way that I was glad there weren't more, frankly. I, I was worried there might be more. But even when they exist, there's a few times where they just don't feel... Like they need to be there. Like they don't make sense. There are a couple of vulgar jokes in this movie that do make sense because they're speaking to the culture in this game studio world, the toxicity that does exist. Like they're, they're actually kind of defining the way characters are supposed to act. But there's a couple of moments where it's just like you're just saying gross stuff to 
to say gross stuff. And I didn't think it was necessary. And then I think Taika Waititi, man, this guy, I know everybody loves this guy. I, <laughs> I like him, but he is toeing the line in this movie. He, he is so over the top flamboyant. He's a little bit too much. <laughs> and he just so exaggerated. And I get what he's going for. I understand that. And it's fun most of the time. But there's a, I would have maybe toned it down a slight bit. Again, these are like minor things for me, but that's really all I got. I mean, other than that, I love it. Uh, for me, I see that there's been a recent trend of films using just very popular songs from like the 80s or 90s and using it as a stick throughout. And in this film, they do it with this Mariah Carey song, which is a great song. But they continue to use it, and I, I just wonder, why this song? Like, why use it? And then they have, like, an emo kind of slowdown version of the song that plays during the end. It's supposed to add some dramatic relevance to the journey of Ryan Reynolds' character, and it doesn't sound good at all. And I was kind of turning to my girlfriend. I was like, uh, I see this is a song I'm not really going to be wanting to listen to anymore because this film has kind of overplayed it. But it, it's a nitpick, but I just know it's a recent trend for films to do that lately, and I'm kind of not a fan of it. I see it as a, as a cheap shtick. That's a very, very good point. I agree. The music was not the best utilized for me. There's a couple of moments and a couple needle drops that work really well, but the ones that are on repeat, it is kind of a strange choice, and they do them too much. Like, when it becomes a reoccurring theme and not just a needle drop like it, you know, then it, it can be overwhelming with that. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree there at all. Well, Free Guy is not coming directly to streaming platforms to our knowledge it is going to be hitting theaters on august 13th what do you say worth a theater viewing or wait till it comes to home or don't see it this is worth a theater viewing bring your friends bring your spouse even bring your kids especially if they're into video games or they're planning to be a video game designer like your daughter is yeah i'm 100 percent in the camp obviously i said i bought tickets so Go see this in the theater. It's It looks great on a big screen. It's a ton of fun in a crowd. Take your kids if they play games. Adults, if you have no idea anything about gaming culture, you just know, I don't know, my kid plays Fortnite all the time. <laughs> Take your kid to this movie because you know what? Your kid is going to know all of the cameos and the people in this movie, and you're not. You're going to have no idea, and you're probably going to be lost. But you know what? They can explain it to you, and that could be a really cool experience. So even if you don't get it as well as they do, it gives them an opportunity to share something that they absolutely love with you, and that's kind of a cool thing to happen. So I definitely say go see this without a shadow of a doubt. No reservations whatsoever. Well, the next one we're going to talk about, we're going to shift gears quite a bit here, and we're going to talk about a movie called Nine Days. This is an indie film that debuted at, oh goodness, I didn't write it down. I think it might have been Sundance, and it might have been last year even. Yeah. I know it, yeah. Uh, and then it got delayed and delayed and delayed like a lot, a lot of indie films will do. And it is finally going to be seeing the light of day some places. <laughs> it stars Winston Duke of Black Panther and Us fame, Zazie Beetz, Benedict Wong, Tony Hale, Bill Skarsgård, David Rizdahl, and Ariana Ortiz. It is directed and written by Edson Oda, and it is Mr. Oda's debut feature film. Keep that in mind as we start talking about this. What's it about? 
Will spends his days in a remote outpost watching the live point of view on TVs of people going about their lives until one subject perishes, leaving a vacancy for a new life on Earth. Soon, several candidates, unborn souls, arrive at Will's to undergo tests determining their fitness, facing oblivion when they are deemed unsuitable. But Will soon faces his own existential challenge in the form of free-spirited Emma, a candidate who is not like the others, forcing him to turn within and reckon with his own tumultuous past. Fueled by unexpected power, he discovers a bold new path forward in his own life. I'm going to kick it to you and let you start us off with some of the things that you like. It's not often that you get debut films like this that are bold with their ideas and concepts. And I just love films like this that you can't honestly describe words to. Like, words just don't feel justice to describe something like this. You know, it's a film that deals with concepts of life and existence and death, you know, and redemption and the soul, but it does it in an innovative way. You know, we're dealing with this guy who, you know, he seems to be in the middle of nowhere, but he has these TV screens in his house and he seems to be watching these people living their life, just doing mundane things like going to the beach, eating something, going to school, playing an instrument, like all these things, all these things that we take for granted. But it's something that this guy watches, and he is also in task of granting um, a soul a chance to live. And, you know, we deal, we deal with the aspect of judgment. You know, why does this man feel the need to be able to judge someone, how the, how the way they live? Or to be able to grant someone the ability to live and to be able to enjoy a life or, or to go back to being just dust and ashes into the ground again? And we also deal with how every second, every moment has to be cherished, even the good, even the bad moments. You know, oftentimes we think of we think of all the bad day, all the bad days we have, and we like, oh, I wish I could never re- relive that again. And yes, there is a sense that yes, I don't want to relive that mistake. I don't want to relive that trauma again. But it's unique to us, and it's something that. We are able to experience. It is something that we're never going to be able to experience again. And we think about all of the people who have lived before us and who are going to live after us. And some of the people who didn't have the chance to make it to where we are. Like, look at you, Aaron. Like, you know, you're in your 40s now. And I'm not trying to joke on you about your age or anything because, I mean, I'm, in, I'm about to hit 30 myself. But think about people we've known who, have never, who haven't made it to 30, mm-hmm. who haven't been able to make it to 40, who kids who died like young. You know, who wasn't able to experience the things that we were able to, like hitting 21, being able to drive, being able to take a drink, being able to go to the beach, being able to experience love, like all of these things that we take for granted. And this film makes me cherish all of that. It makes me cherish all those good and bad moments. Yeah. And it's, it's something that it's something that really hits you in the soul. Like I felt myself while I was watching this, just really going through my whole life and thinking about everything mm-hmm. I've done. And everything has special meaning to me because of this film and the story and the the leaps and bounds it takes, you know, in dealing with existence and the yeah. existential questions about life. Yeah, no, that's so well said. It's it is definitely a reflective type of experience where you don't care as much what happens to the characters on the screen as you do 
you transport yourself into that story and go, oh, what about me? <laughs> like, like you said, it's about inspiring you in a sense. I don't know that this is his intent, but this is what the movie does is it is it makes you inspired to slow down, to stop aiming for perfection, to let go of needing to have all the answers to finding the value in everyone and every point of view. And that it, it aspires to tell you that like life isn't this or that. It's not black or white. It's not right or wrong, right or left. <laughs> it is everything. It's every moment. It's everything. And that we get so wrapped up in these battles and these questions about what's going to happen next or what happened before that we oftentimes waste so much of our in the present moment in the now and so for these characters right who are it's a high concept which like like you said i love this idea of way mm -hmm. to it's a way to kind of put this this idea into our heads in an entertaining method if you try to logically explain it all away it will probably break the system will probably fall apart and you probably will be like, oh, well, where's God in this? And well, what what happens if Will says no? Like, there was one thing in the synopsis. I was reading it, and it was like, you know, when one soul dies, that person gets replaced. And so you could logically go, well, that's not how the world works. You know, there's room for – so yeah, if you, but you got to throw that away. That's not the point. The point is to feel it. It is a feel this film, literally. And so when these characters are in this situation, these they have nine days – to go through a series of tests to determine whether or not they're worthy. And one of the biggest questions that you find them asking themselves is like, well, what's the point? What happens if I, if I don't make it through this process, then I just, I never get to live. I poof out of existence. And so is there value in the now, even if it doesn't result in this thing that you want long-term, like you, like you were saying, there's so many people who've lost time it doesn't make the moment they had any less important, but we often forget and live our lives in a way that definitely does not put value on the current moments. We're always worried about what's going to happen later, or we're frustrated and struggling with what happened before. It's such a magical, mystical, like spiritual experience. Also, Winston Duke. Winston Duke. Winston Duke. This is, I mean, this is my current favorite, like, top actor performance of the year. He's going to be hard to beat, I think, because he really brings it. It reminded me of something when I was watching Black Panther and I was learning about him for the first time. Because that was his first, like, breakout, right? He was, was it Baku? Yeah, Mbaku. Mbaku, yeah. And everybody loved him because he's hilarious. But he has, he comes from a stage very refined theater background this shows that big time but yeah man he is incredible and i think all the performances are great zazie beats like mm -hmm. was wrecking me tony hale his character is the kind of person that you almost you get real frustrated with because they he plays a character that like he embodies that attitude of like well why don't we just get some drinks like nothing matters but there's something you can relate to in that and has a really interesting arc where he goes and Benedict Wong oh, is yes. like an overseer type friend to Will, the character of Will. I, I just love everything about the cast. 
Yes, uh, the thing I noticed about Winston is just the way he's able to command scenes in this film. Like, often when there are certain scenes where he does this exercise with, like, souls. Like, these souls are coming in here almost like a job. Like, they're trying to apply and they're trying to get the job, which is to be given life. And he's able to give them scenarios, ethical scenarios that they have to they have to take in and really understand, like, okay, what would I do in this situation? You know, there's a scenario where he says, hey, like, you're in a in a concentration camp and your son just tried to escape. And this officer is going to kill your son unless you pull the chair from under him while he's hung. And if you don't, then he's going to kill your son. He's also going to kill everybody else in this room. What do you do with that? And just the way he that he plays it, like he goes from being just full of anger, like really portraying this role and then going back to being this sweet, gentle guy who is wondering, okay, what would you do with this? And also, I think honestly one of the best, probably the best thing in this film, I'm not even going to spoil the ending, but the way he delivers a poem at the end Ooh, of this film, boy. I literally was just transfixed looking at him. Like I couldn't move. I was just like, this guy this is probably one of the best poem readings I've ever had in my life. This guy is feeling every word. Yeah. And, you know, it, it goes far beyond just acting. Like, this guy is feeling all the words. He's it, it's going through all his whole body. He's able to show you what he's feeling through the way he moves his arms, the way he screams, the way he, the way the look in his eyes are, the way he's looking at Zazie, and the way that he he like comes down and just realizes something. He learns something from this, and it's phenomenal. I mean, this guy he he's Hollywood's next leading man. He's he's making his way I up hope there. So. And, I, and I never would have guessed it after watching Black Panther. I enjoyed him at Black Panther. I definitely enjoyed him at Us, but I never thought he had this in him. And seeing that he does have this in him, wow. <laughs> The sky is only the ceiling. He he can go further beyond above the sky. Yeah, it it definitely is that kind of thing that make it, it brings someone out of a the blockbuster cycle of movie making and makes you go, oh, this is what and this is what indie films can do, right? They can give you the ability to have a character like this in a story. Hopefully, people will be able to to find eventually and enjoy. It also it's gorgeously shot. It's very minimalistic, which I appreciated. It's idea that it's existing in this kind of like purgatory esque type place. I, I like that there's not a lot going on there. And then it's got a beautiful, beautiful sweeping emotional score by uh, composer Antonio Pinto that I really appreciated as well. So I loved everything about it. Was there? Anything about this one that you particularly didn't like? There is nothing to report on that end. I loved every bit of it, and I was this close, this close, to give it the Black Nerd Magic 5-star stamp of approval. Maybe on the second watch, it's probably going to happen, but I was this close to doing it, this close. And, I mean, I know for most people, especially the general audience, this is something that is is going to require a lot of active watching. Like, this is something that you just can't go in and, you know, be on your phone and, you know, be talking to your friend. Like, no, this is something that you have to pay attention to because it's something you have to feel. It's an emotional film. You know, this isn't something that is just a come and go. Like, this is something that sticks with you, and it sticks with you if you're willing to buy in. So you have to buy into its intellectual 
concepts, and I know people think of it as highbrow, but it really does its job. And for this to be a debut feature, this is impressive. This is beyond impressive. And this director, um, his name is Edson Ode. That's his name? Yep. That's him. Yeah, he's on my must-watch list now. Whatever he's got cooking up next, I'm there. (laughs) Same. Same, same, same. Same to all of that. I agree. And I did not have anything negative to say about it. It is a five-star for me. Totally agree. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there for you on the next viewing. Um, It is a movie that I want to rewatch. Not immediately, because I wanted to sit with it. And I wanted to think about it. And then I want to go back, because it's got details that you can kind of uncover those little moments and approach it from a different perspective or glean some new piece of understanding and information from it. it's that kind of movie not in a easter egg kind of way like a marvel movie but in a way that you're like oh man like she said this and later revealed this and i wonder if that informed you know this type of decision making it's that kind of stuff that i really like and i i loved it it's my favorite film of the year so far it will be out in select theaters on August the 6th. That means Seattle and Portland markets will have it for sure at various places. So if for those of you that are listening to us locally, you will have a chance to see it. For those that are elsewhere, I have no idea. And that's unfortunate. It's one of those films with that kind of release schedule. There's these indies that it's going to depend on how well it does in limited release, whether or not it is able to make it out across the country. Hopefully some streaming service will spend some money to pick it up quickly and put it out there so the world can see it. I really hope that it gets traction before awards season. And I just hope that everybody can get a chance to put it in their eyeballs. So I'm, we're both, I'm going to speak for Quest. We're both feeling it. Definitely go see this if you have the opportunity. Heck, I might pay to go see it in a theater just to throw some money its way. Mm-hmm. and help contribute to it because I want to speak with my money and say this is the kind of movie I want more of. But yeah, August the 6th for nine days. Alrighty, last but not least is the big one. We save usually the bigger named release for the last one to discuss. And in this case, definitely going to be the most divisive. Uh. This movie... <laughs> We've been going at it on social media today, folks. All right, so this movie is The Suicide Squad, not to be confused with Suicide Squad from 2016 from David Ayer. It's a whole thing. It stars Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman, Sylvester Stallone, Viola Davis, Jai Courtney, Peter Capaldi, David Dasmalkian, Daniela Melchior, Michael Rooker, Alice Braga, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, and Sean Gunn. Yes, that is a lot of people you probably know. It is directed and written by James Gunn and has practically zero studio interference. That much is clear. (laughs) What's it about? I have a really long synopsis that they sent me, and then I have the really short version. I'm going to read the short version. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of other nutty cons at Bell Reef Prison join the super-secret, super-shady Task Force X, a.k.a. Suicide Squad, as they are dropped off at a remote, enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Okay, that's plenty. Coleste, I'm going to let you start with what you liked about it, and I will chime in, maybe. James Gunn has delivered the Suicide Squad film that I had in my mind 
when I watched the trailer for the original Suicide Squad back in 2016. This is what I thought I was getting. Sadly, I didn't get that, but I digress. This is a comic book film brought to life. This is what Suicide Squad is all about. It's all about bringing a colorful cast of characters together, dropping them down, getting in, getting them to do this crazy, outlandish, and important mission, and then watching where the chips may fall. And for me, I love hyper-violent films like this. You know, there's a lot of gore, there's a lot of blood, and there's a lot of style with it. James Gunn adds a lot of crass humor. He adds a bunch of new characters that add some dramatic relevance to the story, which is surprising. And they add a little bit of zaniness to it. And the zaniness is where I want to focus on. There's Harley Quinn, the immortal Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie, I wouldn't, I've been hearing that people have said that her performance in this film is better than in Birds of Prey, which I'm going to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> Birds of Prey is still the film you want to watch if you want to watch a great Harley Quinn performance. But Harley Quinn is able to have some great moments in this film. And I think there's one section of this film, one sequence, where Harley Quinn just goes to town on a bunch of her captors which I think stands as one of the best action sequences in any DC movie I've ever seen, bar none. And James Gunn, the way he directs the action in the the way he uses the camera with tracking shots, he uses close-ups, he uses a lot of ambidexity. And the action just is graphic, but it's fun to watch. I was having a ball just seeing people, you know, taking shots at one another, seeing guys going into combat, seeing the special effects, which are very cartoony, but they look very good. <laughs> and um we and the characters Bloodsport which is essentially a replacement for Deadshot but I love Idris Elba's Bloodsport I love King Shark I love John Cena's Peacemaker John Cena's having a lot of fun in this role and it's great to see you know to for him to rebound and come back from F9 whatever that was and be able to have a role in this film it was good to see and then we get to see Polka Dot Man and Polka Dot Man you know, outside of him just being able to shoot polka dots, which is awesome, there is a sobering reality to his story, and it deals with the aspect of superheroes. You know, how badly us normal people want to have special abilities and how that can hurt the people that we love the most. And then we also have a woman in Cleo who is able to summon rats. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I have a phobia of rats. I hate rats. Like, if I see them, tr trust me, I'm scurrying away as fast as I can. But seeing this girl being able to summon rats and use them at her will, it almost reminds me of a wicked version of Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they actually make that joke in the movie yes. at one point. <laughs> yes, and then seeing Amanda Waller, the one thing that I had a criticism with about David Ayer's Suicide Squad is that we didn't really get to see how evil and really gung-ho Amanda Waller can be, especially when it comes to her using people to achieve her goals for national security. And they gave Viola such free reign to do that in this film. And you get to see the evil Amanda Waller. And there's a scene where Viola just goes crazy and just starts throwing F-bombs just constantly in one sequence. And I swear, I was laughing my heart out. I wasn't showing it when I was sitting beside you, but trust me, inside, <laughs> I was laughing my heart out. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I That is one thing that I appreciate. It, outside of execution, I like the fact that they showed how hardcore she is, like you're saying. Because 
So the Suicide Squad had long been, or not long been, but I was into comics hardcore for a period of my life. And Suicide Squad was one of my favorite books. And that is one of the elements of that character that is important to get right, is that this is a person who is using people and has zero problem blowing their heads up because she's not in it for any empathy reasons. Like they are truly completely just tools to her. And the reason that that's important to this story is because what it does is it helps to provide that dichotomy of the fact that you're watching these villains, these people that have hurt others and so you're not supposed to root for them, but you can't root for the person that's doing what they're doing to them. It gives you empathy for them because they're not being treated. They're being tre- they're being run by a villain herself, but a villain with the backing of the U.S. government. So one of the things the movie does is it it gets a little political, to be honest. And I think some of it's hit or miss, but I like the fact that it doesn't shy away from that because that's an aspect of this. Like that is really the reason the Suicide Squad existed. And so to not acknowledge that is disingenuous. And also the costume design is very cool to look at. I love Peacemaker's outfit. I love what they did with Bloodsport. I mean, Peacemaker's, I love yeah, I agree. <laughs> I even love what they did with the with this character named Weasel. <laughs> there in early in the film they introduced this character named Weasel who is exactly what he is. He's a weasel and he looks just very weird. His eyes are all buggy and everything. And I think me and you and and, and our mutual friend Ryan had came to the conclusion that that was James Gunn's brother Sean Gunn playing it is. that role. I, I looked it up. It's definitely Sean Gunn and it is he's maybe my favorite character. He Weasel's awesome. Yes, and speaking of the characters the whole tagline of don't get too attached is really lives up to his name. I mean, in the first sequence of this film, there are at least six or seven characters that meet their doom. And there are a couple of them that I thought, oh, I thought I was going to see more of them. There's a guy who is, there's a guy who's able to control his arms. Like he's able to detach his arms and control them from far away distance. And there is Marco, Michael Hooker in this film. He's Rooker. In- Rooker. <laughs> Michael Hooker. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Okay, forgive me. Michael Rooker in this film. Michael Rooker. Then there's Pete Davidson. Then there is a guy in here with a javelin. And and also, of course, we have Captain Boomerang who's back in this. And you know what? I like him much better in this film than in all of Suicide Squad. (laughs) Like his boomerangs actually look dope. They actually they actually look like they glisten in the light. They look very shiny. They look like they can do some damage. Like this film is it's arcade playground. It's a theme park. It's like a R-rated Willy Wonka for any for anybody who can get that reference. It's something that I want to enjoy over and over again. Like I'm already getting tickets to go see an IMAX this weekend because I saw during the end credits that it's specially formatted for IMAX cameras, and you know yeah. I'm going to take advantage of that. I think you should. I think that that's awesome. It's what I'm doing with Free Guys. So I mean. There's a reason that this has an incredibly high Rotten Tomatoes meter right now. It is hitting with so many people, like critics across the board. Generally, people are loving this movie. And I mean, I love the energy in the film, the music in the background, which is obviously a James Gunn staple. So this is very 
it's Guardians of the Galaxy without studio interference is what it is. I mean, it's got the same kind of ensemble character group dynamics at play. It's got the same musical tracks and needle drops in the background. It's got bombastic action and stuff. Those are things that I enjoyed about it. I, I love King Shark. Like with, I stand King Shark. He he is. I've always loved that character in the comics and wanted to see something like that brought to life. James Gunn has proven that he is the man to do this now. He brought Rocket to life. He brought Groot to life. He's got this Weasel character. He brings King Shark to life. It's outstanding, and I think his inclusion in this crew for me was probably the most fun character like the most interesting aspect of it so yeah it is a very propulsive and energetic movie and if you love this kind of like heads blowing off and people being ripped apart by bullets and knives and other polka dots (laughs) i I just can't even like yeah this is gonna be your thing um is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we move on well let me see there there are so many things there are so many Uh, things to hit on with this i'll say this i appreciated that james tried (laughs) to give each and every character some sort of important developed backstory that led to us having empathy and understanding them better and not seeing them as just a villain. And I think he does a relatively decent job of that, of making you look at these characters differently and also creating that group dynamic where they are learning about each other and they're not going into this as friends. They're not trusting each other. They honestly don't give a crap about each other at a lot of the points, but we see how some of them start to influence each other and they change. And I like that. I, I always want to see character change. Like that's important to me. And we do see that over the course of the film. And so that was a nice part of this. Yeah. It, you know, it's not really, it's very hard, you know, especially in a film that's jam packed with so many characters. It'll be very easy just to write off a lot of these characters and just be like, okay, we're only going to focus on two or three of these and give two or three of these backstories and you should only care about them, but don't worry about the rest. Like, no, I find myself caring about most of these people, even some of the people that died early. I find myself caring about a lot of them because they're built up in a way that they have importance to the environment. You know, they have. You get a sense of what their abilities are. You get a sense of their background. You get a sense of who they were before they were captured and put into Task Force X. And especially in the characters of Bloodsport and Cleo, there is a nice dynamic between the two of them and personal backstories that make you want to cheer for them to to achieve the mission. And I was fine with that. I loved it. And I was surprised that I was able to get that in a Suicide Squad film. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. I so there's a lot that I don't like about this movie, Uh-oh. and I, I'm not gonna launch into it in a huge tirade because I, I'm gonna go back to what I just said in that the majority of people are really resonating and enjoying this. I'm in the minority. I don't think it makes it a bad movie. 
I think there's very few things that are straight up just bad objectively. I just not for me. It, it was not for me. I expected that going in and I liked it more than I was worried about. So that that's a plus. But I felt that the story itself is absolute stupidly just dumb garbage. In my opinion, I, I was not, I did not enjoy it. I did not think it was entertaining. Really the plot. I mean, the plot, the main plot of the movie, the, the crux of the, what they're going to do, who they had end up having to fight, things like that. Thought it was just silly and ridiculous. And it felt like tonal whiplash to me because we were getting this very hyper violent and completely gory experience that, that feels real serious. And then the villain. And I can't, I'm not going to say I haven't seen trailers. So I don't know if it's in the trailers because I didn't watch trailers, but there's a villain that is definitely not the same tone as what you see before that. And so that was a little bit off for me. It just felt like a, ugh, I was getting jerked around all over the place. I don't like the gory stuff anyway. I think it was a little too much and unnecessary, but not unnecessary, but a little too much for me. Not unnecessary. I know what he was going for. For people who like it, it's fine. But I felt like we really were in a movie that was trying to set up moment of after moment after moment of big, shocking gore and violence instead of a well put together storytelling experience like it to me it just feels like it exists intentionally to do that thing and to shock you and not that the shock part has to be part of the storytelling it just didn't work for me very well i think that the characters are incredibly forgettable i didn't care at all about any of these villains none of them are people you know and so there's an interesting aspect to that. You know, we didn't know the Guardians of the Galaxy, most of us, and we all fell in love with them, but I don't think the characters are developed enough in a way that makes me really want to get to know them, frankly. I think their powers are really weird, if not just stupid and pointless. Like, you don't... There's not anything super heroic about them. They're just... Most of them are just people, in fact. In fact... All of them, really, other than King Shark, who's like some sort of random, you know, <laughs> other <laughs> other type of being. But like, you know, Polka Dot Man has a little bit of a supernatural-esque type thing that happened to him and changed his physiology. But the rest of them are just, you know, a couple of guys that are really good with guns and a guy that can throw a javelin. You know, I guess Detachable Arm Man is pretty unique. <laughs> we'll give him that. And, you know, but, but a lot of them are just really good fighters and they're not anything interesting. Bloodsport to me felt like such a cop out because he's Deadshot with more robotic armor and a different name. And I understand how it happened because Will Smith wasn't returning. And so they probably want to keep that character alive for the future and not replace him. But this is literally a replacement for Deadshot in every single way. And the character is the leader, etc. That's who he is. <laughs> He has a daughter. Like, it is 100% meant to be... Like, just call him what he is. You know what I mean? Don't try to... I just didn't like that. And I just thought it went on too long. I, I felt... But, man, it was a little over two hours. I think it was like two hours and 15 minutes-ish. And by the end, I was, like, ready to be done. Um, I, I just did not vibe with the whole thing. Now, I say all that, so I didn't love it, but I also didn't hate it. 
I don't think it was terrible. I think it's watchable. It's just forgettable for me. And frankly, if not a little bit below, it is right on par with the other Suicide Squad. And what I Whoa. learned personally, I know, I know, I know I'm speaking like a heresy, but like I didn't mind the last Suicide Squad. It has its problems, has its problems for sure. But I like the direction of that attempt more than I like the direction of this attempt overall. And I think what I found for me personally is that the ire cut that is kind of being talked about, what David Iyer's vision for the previous Suicide Squad before the studio messed with it, I think that likely would probably be my ideal version of this movie from everything I've read um, and the way that the characters are handled. But that's just the stuff that I didn't care for. Is there anything that you didn't like about it, or was it just all roses and blood for you? It was all roses and blood for me. I mean, we had the conversation before we went into what we were expecting to see, and I already told you, you know, there was, it, once I saw the rating, there was strong violence and gore. I was like, that's my kind of movie. You know, it's like it's like Quentin Tarantino with the one time with the females interview. He's like, why do you put so much violence in your film? He's like, because it's so much fun. And, you know, hey, I love films like this and I had fun with it. You know, it's a it's a comic book film and it's a violent and like rowdy playground for me just to like swing, do swings in go down the slide, you know, do, you know, do the, um, topsy-turvy in, you know, build a sandbox. It's, it's, it's my kind of film, but, and, and I like how you worded your negatives. You know, I thought I was going to come in here and I was going to see you rip it apart, but Hey, I still remember that you liked it. You know, it just wasn't your style. And I can agree with that. I can agree with it. So kudos to you, Aaron. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I, I don't want to, you know, turn everybody off. I, people are going to like it. I mean, I look, I I immediately voice chatted with my two best friends and I was like, guys, you're going to love this. Like, I know you, you like dumb action, bloody stuff more than I do. And you're going to really enjoy it. Like a lot of people like you are. Um, I'm in the minority. And so I just want to make sure people understand that. But, you know, some people will probably have the same thing as me and they need to understand like, hey, you. You're not going to be – it is what you would think it is going to be, basically. <laughs> so – and and I don't know that everybody is prepared. I don't know that general audiences understand because people who don't know James Gunn's history of working with a studio called Troma, and it's it's really kind of edgy, gory, kind of vulgar type stuff, I don't know that people understand that. And if you are just – a person who watches all the DC movies and you go, oh, this one's rated R. It's probably going to be a little bit more violent. I don't think they're ready, man. I, I don't. I'm, I'm excited to see what general audiences come out of this thinking. I think you're going to have a real split of people that are like, heck yeah. And oh my mm -hmm. God, I took my kid, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's what I expect. But so I, you just said you are buying IMAX tickets. I take it that you. This is going to be in theaters and available day and date on HBO Max, both on August the 6th. So you're saying theater or couch? Oh, this is definitely a theater. I mean, you could sit on the couch and watch this, but being in a theater, feeling that surround sound, seeing this specially formatted to be seen on the big screen, I mean, why not take advantage of it? <laughs> I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I do. <laughs> like, if, if you're interested in this movie... You got to go see this in a theater. There is no way it would be as entertaining as it is at home, especially the first time. I mean, by on reoccurring viewings, fine. 
But yeah, you need to go see it in a theater. You need to have that communal experience because this is a great crowd. This is one of those, oh, he did what? Kind of like those everybody gasping out loud and reacting in together. And I, I definitely think that it is a theater type of film. So I'm with you there. Well, that's it for us today on FF Plus. We hope that one of these has piqued your interest. We'd love to hear what you think. You can always find us in the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group. There's a link to that in every single episode. The show notes, you can go there, click it, and come join up and be a part of daily discussion with other film fans. You can also always reply to us on Twitter, at Feelin' Film, anytime you want to chat there. We'll be back soon, of course, but until then, keep feeling film. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.